Price for Friday, December 22nd, 2023. Coming to you from the GoGoat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're heading to a game or an event downtown, make it a staycation. Call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price. Grady Sass, Hidden Switches, conducting things in the show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Chevy Silverado on your menu for Christmas? Well, how about a rate starting from 0% on the Chevy Silverado? Head to Applewood GM in Port Hardy and get the deal of the year. It's all good at Applewood. 1979 Chevy Silverado Suburban, my very first car. I inherited it from my father. And uh, they used to call the Suburban with a Silverado trim, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it was silver. And uh, it was a uh, very sly bit of parenting from my dad because that thing guzzled gas and a 17-year-old didn't have a lot of money to fill the tank. We'd go driving around on a Friday night with my buddies. I'd need like 40 bucks from the crew. But that was in 1979. They've become way more fuel efficient. Well, gas was... Very cheap back then, too. Stop being such a miser, honestly. I'm the one who's dressed up in my Christmas gear. You're the one looking like a lumberjack from Pemberton today. No, I'm dressed like a Christmas gift. (laughs) Blake broke out the black, gray, and white plaid for the Christmas show. It's blue. Poll question. Having moved moved into first overall in points... Do you believe the Canucks are the best team in the NHL? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. No is going to win this poll. A lot of people happy about the Vancouver Canucks, and with the loser point Thursday night in Dallas, overtime defeat, they do move into top spot in the National Hockey League overall standings and points. They're tied with Vegas, but they win tiebreakers there. And, of course, could extend their points and they have points in eight in a row here with a victory over San Jose Saturday at Rogers Arena in the final game before the Christmas break. Now Vegas plays here as well and the Rangers and Boston both have a couple of games left before the holiday break so we'll see where it is but it is quite possible that the Vancouver Canucks could be the best team in the league by points if not points percentage because Boston and the Rangers have some games in hand. Uh, at the conclusion of NHL games before the holiday break. It's uh, it's, it's quite like, heady stuff. Huh? It is heady stuff. I mean, uh, I mean, at the baseline, what we thought after their fabulous start was, I mean, play just above 500. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like play a lot of 500 hockey, and you have a couple of good weeks and play just above 500, then 500 hockey, and they're not having to do that. Mm-hmm. They're going on another tear, almost equal to their start to the season here, and we'll see if it can grow any further. But really, if you look at their schedule, I mean, there's some there's some weak opponents before this road trip. A seven-game road trip in J- in January is something to marvel at. Something to behold. Yeah. Seven games. Whew. Seven. Like, they're gone for a full two weeks, and right in the middle of it is a three-game and four-night stretch against the three North uh, New York teams, New Jersey, Rangers, and uh, Islanders. De- and, and, uh, Islanders. It, that's a that's a tough three game set in yeah, and of it's... itself. So it, there is some comeuppance in January, 
They'll have to try to keep their head above water. But again, they're building. We said that about the initial start. They're building insurance. They're building a, a safe, uh, you know, a safeguard. Now this this is protecting against the start. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Four three in overtime, lose to the Dallas Stars. Vancouver has a one nothing lead in this hockey game and has a three two lead in this hockey game late before the Stars get an equalizer and win it in the extra session. Um, not before Elias Pettersson, Dakota Joshua have a two on zero and can't finish. And I said to Jeff on Rinkwide last night, I think it was too deferential in on two occasions there. Number one. I'm not sure Petey gives Joshua the puck if he isn't on a heater. <laughs> and number two, I'm not sure Joshua gives Petey back the puck if it isn't the best player on the team, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm just, do you think, was, was Pedersen surprised that he got it back even? Uh, Might have been. Might have been. Because there wasn't much there. No, there wasn't a lot of t- uh, space. It's awkward when you have two lefties that's going the other thing. on yeah. the breakaway yeah, like that. That's the other thing. And... Joshua kind of just threw it back to him when mm-hmm. Wedgwood was still set. Right. Usually you try you need, to get the goalie to bite, and then you get it across. Needed to create a different angle for the pass. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, 47 points, third in the league in points percentage at 691. 14 points up on a playoff spot, Blake, to further your point. Brock Besser with his 24th goal, second in the league behind Austin Matthews. And that third line of Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua, and Connor Garland, which is once again the Vancouver Canucks best line, they basically had three forwards play well last night, and it was those three guys. And let me ask you this, and we'll put this to Jeff later. Let's say there was a Connor Garland trade to be made, that a team out there went, boy, Really like the way Garland's playing and know the production isn't there, but we believe in the underlying metrics. We could use a winger like that. We'll bite and offer the Vancouver Canucks something for Connor Garland. Could they afford to trade him right now, Blake, with what's going on on the wing, with Kuzmenko not in the lineup? Well, the other. With a lot of other, with Phil DiGiuseppe doing nothing on the fourth line. Here's what is also. What you always have to remember with regards to players like Connor Garland, um, and we haven't had to use this metric in a long time because the cap has been so flat. With the cap jumping up by a medium amount here, medium, medium high amount, what's a good third line winger make? Yeah. He's at four point nine five. Like if probably it's, still a little less than still, that, but he's right, in the ballpark. Right, and if it jumps two and a half million next year. Are we into an economy yeah. where 4.95 is just what it costs for a decent? Well, not a decent. It'd be that have to be a good third line winger. He's starting to catch up a little bit. Again, with the count, we everybody wants the counting stats to be up, but he is a career like point six point per game kind of guy. He's not that far off of it. You know, if he if this hot streak and it doesn't have to be the point per game pace he's got over the last five games, but if it comes remotely close to that over the next two weeks. He's going to get up to at least a half point per game, if not his point six points per game. Mm-hmm. And he's got a low shooting percentage, which should bounce back into the right direction, you'd think, at some point. So you can dream about trading him away, but A, what are you getting back? And ultimately, are you just going to go out looking for a good third-line winger anyway that costs you pretty darn close to what he makes anyway? 
Mm-hmm. Careful on that one if you're a Canuck fan. Do you remember after Tuesday's victory in Nashville, Rick Tockett talked about how pleased he was with the overall defensive structure of the team. Mm-hmm. Even went so far as to say, yeah, from time to time we're out of position, but just lauded his players for the defensive effort and commitment. And Rob Williams noted it yesterday, Thursday, and was hit with us saying, when's the last time you heard a Canucks coach say that? Within that vein, here's another clip from Tockett last night, postgame. Remember, this is in a loss. Take a listen. Well, better after the first, I think, you know, obviously that's a, a really good hockey team. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of energy, but I thought we grinded it. That's what's good about this team. Didn't have energy. We stuck with it. We had the lead. And obviously in the third goal, uh, their tying goal, you know, we kind of made a couple of mistakes, and it's uh, it's internet if we, you know. Um, and then we had a 2-1-0 in uh, overtime, so we had a chance to win the game. We didn't have energy, and we grinded it. Yeah. How many times earlier in the season? And this was a fourth game in six night, six nights. It's a second game this week to go to overtime, right, plus all the travel. How many times earlier this season, and particularly last season, Blake, did we hear him, like, screeds against, I don't care if you don't have energy. Mm-hmm. That's part of being a pro. Yeah. That's part of being in shape. On nights you're not going to always have great energy. Those are the nights when you got to play smarter. You make efficient decisions. Exactly. Yeah. The effort's still got to be there. Last night he's praising the group for that. Yeah. I mean, just so many metrics and so many intangibles where we've seen a 180-degree turnaround from what the Vancouver Canucks were. Yeah, like – you know, getting towards the end, well, this is the end of the road trip for them. And, you know, it's been, they're the busiest team in the NHL in terms of games played. You look at the graph, like the possession graph, um, you know, were they the second best team on the ice? By a smidge. But Dallas is at home with a last change and better rested. You know, like if if that's sort of a ho-hum game for the Canucks, you're okay with that if you're Rick Tockett. And yeah. they found a way to get a point out of it. They kicked a can down the road. And 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 taking an OTL versus the Dallas Stars, not going to change your world too much. And the San Jose Sharks are up Saturday. And, Blake, this is the difference between a Merry Christmas and a Bah Humbug. Something tells me you're going to have a shitty few days if you lose to the San Jose Sharks team and split the season series, particularly given you won the first game against San Jose 10 to 1. They're not back at it until Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers. So get this one. I think it's part and parcel of why Rick Tockett and the club decided to stay overnight in Dallas, fly home, energy levels, right? This is something we learned about from the sleep doctor many, many moons ago that at the end of one of these longer road trips, you're almost always better off staying that night in the final city that you visit and flying out the next day to get your body clocks back. Don't want to hear about no scheduled losses, particularly to a team like this. And if you get that victory, boy, are you riding high. Going into what is a sparser part of the schedule with some very winnable games. I mean, Philly's played well. In fact, they played very well. Yeah, they played very well. Under John Tortorella. And they're going to come at you. credit there. And they're going to come at you. 
You've got an Ottawa Senators team coming to town on January 2nd that, let's face it, is not amongst the league's best. You're at St. Louis. You've already dummied St. Louis. That's what I'm saying. Until that road trip, you've got some wins. You've got a bunch of wins here or a bunch of points staring you in the face before this ridiculous road trip. Now, that's that's what I do want the the pregame speech to be about versus the San Jose Sharks. Guys, your first-place team, we'll see what the Rangers do on Friday night. Your first place team. Does do first place teams split the season series versus the worst place team? Yeah. Is that what is that what happens? And this is a maturity test too. Yeah. Guys, show me you can finish this off before the Christmas before break. your break. And do you want to sit on the consequences of that season split for the Sharks right. with the Sharks on four days? Especially because our two direct competitors, the Vegas Golden Knights and Los Angeles Kings, they get to fatten up on San Jose too. We're done with them. Right. They're going to fatten up on San Jose. So we got to keep pace by winning this Like one. I'm not saying they should go out Tonight. and win 10-1, but it would be really nice for the Canucks to go out and win okay. 5-1. Any win. But Just I, get I, a win. I, but, like, show that you're a better team. Go out there. Beat them handily. World Junior Hockey Championships start on Boxing Day. Vancouver's Macklin Celebrini, who stands to be one of the stars for Canada and yet another 17-year-old from the Lower Mainland looking to be a star for Canada after Connor Bedard's tournament MVP performance last year. This tournament is in Sweden. Everybody loves the U.S., and Swedish teams, and Celebrini ejected in a pre-tournament game against Switzerland for a big hit that some are calling dirty, and it may well cost him a game or two once the tournament begins for real with Finland facing Canada, the opening match of group play on Boxing Day Switzerland, Tuesday. Switzerland not helping matters because they, and I'm not saying that he's not, but coaches have been guilty of this before, not commenting kind of casting doubt on the injury to the players because maybe that'll factor into the determination of whether or not there's a suspension. So Swiss coach is like, could be, it's a neck. There's a, there's a neck issue here. So, you know, whether that's real or not, it's, that's going to get considered by the way. You think think Celebrini has an out here or at least an explanation he can provide uh, with regards to the Swiss player turning. Yeah. He turned a bit, but what would what do we minor hockey players from a young age are talk when you see a guy in a vulnerable position, don't drive him into the boards. I haven't seen the clip. I haven't you know done frame by frame analysis yet, but I think overall a lot of players need to understand when you have the puck like that against the boards, if you turn the wrong way, you're putting yourself in a bad position. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Macklin Celebrini. We have a Christmas show coming out for you on Monday, pre-recorded with the Celebrini brothers, Aiden, Vancouver Canucks draft pick, defenseman with Boston University, and Macklin, of course, who's also at Boston University with his brother and stands to be the first overall pick in the 2024 NHL entry draft. We've known the family there, their father, Rick Celebrini, one-time director of sports science for the Vancouver Canucks, now working for the Golden State Warriors. So... New programming coming up for you Monday from Securus and Price. And then we're back at it with another Dayside show a week from today, Friday. So Friday, December 29th, after that game against the Philadelphia Flyers. And rink-wides for every Canuck game, Absolutely. holidays or not. Jeff, tomorrow, uh, Jeff on Saturday after 
the game against and San Canucks Jose. Convo will have shows next week as well. We're just figuring out what days exactly. Oh, it's so Quadrelli not uh, organized on that. Grady? <laughs> You're telling me David freaking oh, Quadrelli. I will not be who is as my organized as a pencil like case does not have that ready for you, huh? <laughs> We're working out some details here. No, he is really organized. He's a human po- uh, pocket protector. Everything just so. Don't rattle the guy any more than he already is. I'm not rattling him. We are richer for the association with Canucks Army, Canucks Conversation, and our new friends and collaborators from the Nation Network. I'm I very, just hope very you're pleased to hear you chiming on that show, Grady. Yes. What happened with Harmon Dial's light the other day? Uh, he was in a bunker in Nashville being held hostage. It would we appear so. asking him to find a newspaper, but you know those Gen Zers don't even know what a newspaper no, is. that's right. So, I mean, it was by candlelight. <laughs> it was an Airbnb, and the sun went down as we were doing the show, and it like progressively got darker and darker. Mm-hmm. And he just sort of disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you saw him later in the day on uh, the intermission panel with Murph with all the lights and bells and whistles right. shining on him. Anyways, I'm glad we didn't lose Harmon there. Yeah, but he's back on today's show. Oh, good. Remotely. Traveling with the team on the road trip. On to football. The L.A. Rams beat the New Orleans Saints 30-22 on Thursday night football. And we had talked earlier in the week that the Seahawks have this game to watch on Thursday and then all the rest of their direct competitors play on Sunday, either at the same time or shortly thereafter on Sunday. There is Saturday games or Monday games over the holiday weekend. But with the Rams winning, they moved to eight and seven. Somebody and, somebody had to go to eight and seven. Yeah. I guess I guess it well, maybe but a tie, if but. you were the Hawks, you were rooting for New Orleans here because right. they have that NFC South Championship avenue to the playoffs where the Rams are exclusively vying for a wild card with San Francisco having clinched the division. So the Rams moved to 8-7, and seven, and for the moment, fifth place in the NFC. Minnesota sitting on seventh place at 7-7, seven, seven, holding down the final wild card berth. We discussed this earlier in the week as well. Minnesota has a better conference winning percentage than Seattle. Now, they're both on the same number of wins, six, against the NFC. Seattle has just Arizona remaining in conference play, whereas the Vikings play the Lions twice and the Packers. So there is the possibility that Seattle could win that particular tiebreaker against Minnesota the way we'll see how it shakes out. New Orleans at 7-8, and eight, but, you know, Tampa 7-7, seven and seven, so they're not yet out of it in the NFC South as well as having still wildcard hopes. Atlanta at 6-8, and eight, kicking themselves after that Carolina loss last Sunday. They've got Indianapolis coming to town. It's effectively must-win now for the Atlanta Falcons, and then it is absolutely uh, must-win for the Green Bay Packers, who are 6-8 and eight after blowing that game against Tampa at Lambeau on Sunday. They need to win because the L.A. Rams now have two more wins than they do. There's still two wild cards available, but Green Bay has to beat Carolina this weekend. Their defensive coordinator under a lot of fire there for the way that unit has been playing. Look, uh, Carolina is dreadful. You absolutely should win this game if you're the Packers. But if you don't, guess what? Then you're not playoff worthy That's the thing. if you can't beat the Panthers. So looks like Geno Smith is going to start for the Seahawks. Captain Greg Bell, our friend down there in Seattle. 
reporting that he has uh, participated in the entirety of practice. He did so on Wednesday for the first time in uh, about two weeks. So it looks like it's going to be Geno Smith. And that's the right center. And that's the better choice, despite the Drew Locke magic at the end, right? Geno Smith's still the better option under center. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. listen to the voice so track. The answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Unless he's compromised physically. Right. So now, we'll, we'll see that early. participation in practice is great, but what's the Mike Tyson line? Everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Let's see how he does after he takes his first couple of shots of the game. This would very much be an Al Davis rule applying if you're the Tennessee Titans. First five, ten plays of the game, the quarterback has to go down, and he has to go down hard. Uh, we'll see what Tennessee. It's, a, it's an important practice today. Uh, it, is. Like, it is. Let's see who's out there. There's yep. just a long list of DNPs in practice yesterday, and they needed most of those guys available. Although at this time of year, you're going to get a lot of DNPs. Yes. Uh, yeah. As for the other side, the quarterback, Will Levis, Tennessee, he's got a high ankle sprain. In Rappaport reporting, he is going to be listed as questionable for Sunday. He was back at practice on Friday, so he's hoping to tough it out. If it's not Levis, it's going to be the veteran Ryan Tannehill. And, and honestly, and you know I'm a Levis fan, but I would be more worried about Tannehill than a mobility compromise Levis here. And the reason being... Ryan Tannehill is playing for his career here. Mm-hmm. That's a veteran guy. So he should be able to make good decisions with the football. I would be a little more worried of Tannehill with everything that he has to lose and what he has to gain. He's also he's had access to magic pixie dust in his career he before, has. and has. you worry that he finds it again. And, of course, the other thing that's going on there is uh, – we're seeing the final few games here for Derrick Henry as the Tennessee Titan, yep. who has been and perhaps the last great running back, Blake, in NFL history. Yeah. Yeah. The I last mean, just long tenured. You know, the way, look, Kyron Williams is having a terrific year with the Rams. Saquon Barkley was a very high draft pick of the Giants. Uh but you just don't see the superstar running back anymore. And Derrick Henry, at one point in his career, was exactly that. It, it, to me, I'm a little shocked as they look. How many how many seasons do you think he's played? Because it feels like forever. Yeah. Um, well, he won the Heisman. What year was that? I'm going to say this is year number nine yeah. for Derrick Henry. It, it's, it's year eight. Year eight. I mean, he feels sort of omnipresent. I would have guessed this is his 10th. I probably would have said that. Well, and the other thing here is the reason he's a superstar running back, or was, if you were going to engineer what a running back looks like Mm -hmm. and give him the athletic traits that Derrick Henry has, an enormous guy who runs fast. Oh, Oh, he's huge. I mean, he was so much fun to watch in college. Like, there were guys who just had no chance like Division One football players who just had no chance when this guy was coming downhill. And really, the NFL as well. There are some guys who are just purely athletically mismatched. He's 29 as we like, speak, turns 30 in the new year. Like, yeah. like 30 is the in new a week 40 and a half. for running backs. Well, so. totally. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, oh, he'll I, play next year. Well, but- I, I heard it in one insider talking about it saying, you know, 
like will he sign somewhere? Will he be on a roster? Yes. But he's not like his time as a starter yeah. is yes. probably over. I think he's had three hundred yard games this year and a lot of very ineffective games, including last weekend uh against Houston. So yeah. Uh some swan songs here from a few Tennessee Titans, and I think that's what makes them dangerous for the seven and seven Seahawks, who could very well, if they were to win, and if the Minnesota Vikings were to lose, and Minnesota again has a difficult game here against the playoff team in the Detroit Lions. They're at home, but it's a good opponent. Uh, the Seahawks could be in playoff position here by the end of the weekend. Didn't think we'd say that nope, so quickly. Didn't think so as well. Mm. Let's get to today's menu. It is brought to you by Greta, a fantastic spot to catch the games throughout the season. Quick walk to the Rinker Stadium. Greta, go-to spot for food, drinks, fun, before, after the game. Make it a game night at Greta, 50 West Cordova, or at Greta Bar. Com. We'll talk to Frank Saravelli, NHL insider. Plenty of topics to hit here, including Kuzmenko and what to do with him, the possibility of a trade there. We ask him who's available around the league is Jake Gensel, Pittsburgh Penguin, of course, the Canucks management group, once upon a time in Pittsburgh. Possible. We talked to him about Elias Pettersson and a contract extension, and wouldn't that be a nice Christmas gift for Canucks fans? The trouble they're going to have re-signing Nikita Zadorov, in particular because of the price tag of Philip Peronik. We discussed that as well. Connor Garland's status of his trade request and whether or not they could afford to trade him at this point, as well as a practice facility. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including a former Canuck reaching a NHL milestone. J-Pat stops by. Talk about, hey, how close are they to being the best team in the league? The management of losses that we've seen this week. Garland and that fantastic third line. A Pedersen extension, the San Jose game. And if you're watching on YouTube, a very festive Jeff Patterson today. And then we'll go to the people. Love your hot takes, your tell me I'm wrongs, your comments and questions on material you hear here on Securus and Price. You can email live at securesandprice.com, text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. And other than that, a uh, very Merry Christmas to all our listeners and to you too, Blake. Oh, even me. And Grady. Oh, wow. Merry, merry, everybody. Harris Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto. Group. Applewood Infinity in Langley's got smashing deals. That, uh, hey, heck of a Christmas gift. The QX50, mm. the QX55. Financing from 0%. That's a true Christmas gift. Lease it from 2.99%. Go check it out. Applewood Infinity in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. Do you think Applewood can do the big red bow on the hood? Drive it up on Christmas morning. I think uh, they love doing that. Full question. Having moved into first overall in points, do you believe the Canucks the best team in the NHL? Very cheery poll question here for Canucks fans. With yes a wing. or no, Bing. you can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. Here's Frank Saravelli, his final hit before a Christmas vacation. Of course, from the Frankly Speaking podcast and the Daily Faceoff. Merry Christmas, Frank. Merry Christmas, guys. Glad to be with you. Uh, having joined the Sakaris and Price family this year is one of the yeah. bright spots of 2023. Yeah. And I've got my PSA for anyone watching on YouTube. You 
can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Ah, he was right. It all begins with that first step from Uncle Frank. It all begins with that first step. And ditto, Frank. We are uh, richer for the association, my friend. And and hey, this is a great segue into our poll question with the Canucks. You can't finish first unless you become first overall. So, um, hey, they've taken that first step. Frank called the Canucks in preseason when few were. No one was. Who was giving them support? (laughs) Just Just you, Frank. Inside, that's it. Just you. No, I'm, I'm not tooting my horn. I'm just saying, like, I, they were almost universally picked as a non-playoff team, were they not? Well, I think they were bubble for most in, people. In this market, yeah. you had people picking them to sneak in. But yeah. yeah, you're quite right. Nationally, they were not exactly a popular choice. Yeah, so do I? let me answer your poll question. Do I believe the Canucks are the best team in the NHL? The answer is no. However, what I think is most exciting about the position that they're in right now and especially with the spot that Andre Kuzmenko is in in the lineup, can you imagine if Patrick Alvin, the most aggressive GM in the NHL, has five and some million dollars to spend at some point to mm-hmm. improve this team and take what is a square peg in a round hole, ship him off somewhere else, which he should have value, by the way, coming off of a 40 goal or close to 40 goal, 70 plus point season. And just get a better fit. Doesn't have to be exact, but having someone sit out as a healthy scratch, like all of a sudden, I'm telling you, I think if the Vancouver Canucks can make this move and pull that off with an I, you know, a much better fit, whether it's filling out your forward group or once again going to the well on defense, that I could begin to view the Vancouver Canucks as a legitimate. Okay, so, but, so before I didn't even get the words it. out. I didn't even get it out. Before we throw names at you, okay, like impossible. Like, have you done any skulking around? Not so right. much for rumors. You can give rumors if you if you if you have them inside scoops. But just like names that you just thought, you know, that guy'd be a good fit. Is it, has anybody jumped to mind as you've pondered this situation? No, not yet. I haven't mm-hmm. really dug in to do that. Um, yeah. So I'm not comfortable throwing any out. But let me just underline the last three words that I said again: sure. legitimate Stanley Cup threat. That's four. Wow. But- wow. I, um, I I believe it with the positional boxes that they've checked. Like they have authentic stars at every position. So with this management group, we forever go back to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Is Jake Gensel available? Will Jake Gensel be available between now and the deadline? I think the Pittsburgh Penguins have 45 days to figure it out. Yeah. February 10th ish, something like that. Because Kyle Dubas is going to have massive decisions to make. And I would think that, for a team that hasn't got – it's the same argument I would make with the Calgary Flames. You're not getting it done with these guys. What's your case to keep them longer term? Mm-hmm. And maybe you could say, well, Gensel's the youngest guy of the group. Okay, fine, but he's knocking on the door of 30. He's not that young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not that young, and and so what? You're going to sign him to a five, seven, eight-year contract to what? Have him be the best player on a – a rebuilding team that's tearing it down to the studs. as a winger as right. a winger right yeah, it makes right. no sense yeah. i think he would be an elite trade ship at some point um it should the pittsburgh penguins not get their act together that's the caveat yeah. i'll put on it so frank speaking of having 45 days to figure something out and the canucks have more than that with elias patterson and they will absolutely tell you hey we got this year and next understand how long he's club controlled but at some point, I think you need to know what you're paying Elias Pettersson next year uh, to go about conducting your other business with regards to Ronick and Zadorov. I'm going to ask you about them in a second. Do you anticipate that the Elias Pettersson extension talks are going to heat up here after Christmas? 
I, I think they've been quietly pushing along the whole time. I think the Canucks are more than ready to make a deal. I think they're, in fact, as aggressive as they possibly could be, knowing that the other side, I believe, at this juncture, has more or less been stalling. That they everyone's kept a, a tight lid on it. I don't think there's any negative here. It's just that I don't think the Pedersen camp from you know, his... Um, I guess you would call it posture from the summer and not being in a rush to do things to continuing to evaluate what the market looks like. I think the Canucks are more than ready to make a deal. And in fact, would love to have something done and signed as I uh, reported back uh, at the GM meetings in November on the heels of hall of fame, like Patrick Alvin's met with all the players involved. Um, but there's, it's nice to play nice, but it, you got to get some work done. And I, it takes two to tango, which is the toughest part of this. Yeah, and I saw, I think it was earlier this week, it may have been last week, on Philip Ronick, whose production has cooled a little bit here. You don't think this is starting with a seven, huh? You, you think he's an $8 million player plus on his extension? Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. It possibly. What, what are the status? Yeah. Do you know, uh, do you have any updates there in terms of talks? I don't think there's been anything um, significant. I think there's been some like casual sort of preamble conversations that um, as best as I can tell have sort of parked things. And I think you're right. I think the pecking order just from a pure math perspective has to be to get Pedersen done first. Before we get done with Pedersen here, what pushes this over the edge for the other side? Like, what, what, what's can the Canucks make an acquisition that will please Elias Pedersen that will make him feel committed? Like, what, what is Elias Pedersen looking for here in order for him to feel ready for this situation? Does he want a winger? Like, is is that part of what we're talking about here that he wants to know that he's got somebody to work with here going forward? I don't think there's a commitment issue i don't think there's like i said i don't get a, a sense there's any hint of i need this or i'm pounding my mm. my fist on the table for that i think he's pleased with how this year has developed i think he loves seeing this team being in contender mode um but i think it just comes down to dollars and cents right like it's more or less did, did i matt did i see you making a, a money sign it's it's more or less show me the money, money yeah yeah uh, and then you, you present the right uh, starting digits of that AAV, and then I think you're probably yeah. going to hammer out the rest of it. Yeah, you're most of the way there, uh, yeah. I would think. Uh, I heard you say you're uh, skeptical on their ability to re-sign Zdorov. Yeah, I just think what he's looking for, and every time Dan Milstein tweets an emoji of a bag of money, um, I, I don't know what the true market value is for Nikita Zadorov. I guess this run with the Canucks will tell us a lot more about where he can stack up league wide, but I know a lot of teams on, on an independent basis view him as a third pair defenseman. And he thinks he's getting some kind of payday that I, I just don't think the Canucks as much as we've talked about the depth and, you know, how you need to slot out your defense properly is so critically important to being a good team. You can't afford to pay, uh, you know, Pedersen one thing up front, Quinn Hughes one thing on the back end, Philip Roenick's not going to be cheap, and then all of a sudden overpay for a five uh, for a third pair defenseman. You can't be paying him five million bucks a year, and that's that's the feeling without having anyone confirm it. That's that's the sense I get is he's looking for like a five times five. Mm. 
the Canucks have got a, a handful of UFAs, and all of them are performing probably above expectation. And you're just not going to be able to give everybody a raise there, right? Well, that and also, by the way, the beauty of the trade for Zadaroff is he improves your team in the here and now, and you barely really gave up anything to do That's it. That's right. You gave up so nothing just yet. let he's the perfect guy to use and let walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connor Garland just playing terrific hockey right now. That third line with Teddy Bluger and Dakota Joshua, a couple points last night. Finally, his third goal of the year. The underlying metrics have been terrific, and last night rewarded with some production counting stats. What's the status of his trade request? Can they afford to trade him right now, given the way he's playing? I don't think it's – it may be a standing trade request. I don't even know how to break down the nuances and semantics and dynamics of that. But what I would say is I think they're pretty comfortable with where things are at. And and more to the point, they're not in any mode to be trying to shuffle things around right now to um, offload that deal. I think they've got bigger fish to fry. I think they realize that no matter what the underlying numbers and metrics say, the counting stats are going to be have to be not just better, but way better in order to have teams truly interested in taking on that term. And so I think they just park it and say, hey, for better or for worse, we're kind of stuck with each other. We might as well make the best out of this that we can. Uh, we noted um, the Florida Panthers opening that new practice facility, Frank, and uh, how much easier it's going to make life uh, for visiting hockey teams, not to mention uh, the Panthers themselves. Um, how much does that ratchet up the pressure on the Canucks to finally get a practice facility? I mean, I can't believe that's their practice situation. I realize that the bulk of their work is done at their game arena, but having been to van this year for training camp and going out to UBC for the first time, like not a knock on UBC, the the grounds and surrounding area are beautiful, but that is a Spartan facility for any NHL team to be sharing. And it's way less than ideal. And I guess part of the issue that I run into is like, I, it's kind of the same thing I do. I roll my eyes when GMs talk about how hard it is to make trades, you know, dollar in dollar out all these different cliches. Like, yeah, real estate's expensive in Vancouver. It really is. But what's the excuse for all these other teams that have built unbelievable facilities in super expensive markets in San Jose, in, uh, South Florida. Yeah. Yeah. But like, look, they're like the, the Caps have a beautiful one in suburban Virginia and like all these other places they've all got in, in, in high priced expensive markets. Like Florida is no different. Like why not? What's the excuse to getting it done? Put a shovel on the ground, get steel on the ground. The Panthers made it happen. A lot of players live that live out that way. Um, do you care? Like league wide, does the, the proximity of the arena to the practice facility, is that, does that matter to you in terms of UBC's proximity to downtown? Uh, so are you saying that a bunch of the players live out that way? Yes. Yeah. So okay. there's the convenience for that. Of course, the road teams don't care if they got to practice there because they're downtown. I mean, is, is that extraordinary, uh, that that distance from UBC to downtown? It, it matters, I think, for sure. Um, if everyone is on a trend where, like, they live out towards the practice facility because you're there every day, that's a different story. But the flip-flopping nature of what the Canucks do and how much time they do spend downtown is probably pretty annoying, I would think. So, you know, if you're in a situation where you know, like the Flyers, for instance, here, their practice facility is in South Jersey. 
and almost everyone except for the the younger guys on the team that still like to go out to dinner and and do whatever like almost everyone where the family lives five minutes or 10 minutes from their practice facility in in south jersey which is like 20 25 30 minutes away from the arena so right they're, but they go into it knowing that like if you come to Philly and you have a family, you're looking in South Jersey and you know it. If you're going and you ha- you build a facility out near UBC, like great. A lot of people will migrate there because they're going to spend every waking minute there that they're not at the downtown arena. Um, the- Blake and I incidentally had a really good night in, in Philly once upon a time, Frank. Uh, what do you mean incidentally? Like, come on. Is it like an accident? No. <laughs> well, no, we were there for the draft. And uh, we decided, let's go out and, hey, when in Philly, let's go to an Italian place. And the chicken Where'd you Parmesan- go? Do you remember it? I no. don't remember the name, but the chicken Parmesan came out and it was oh. the Fred Flintstone size. Like, I think it was, in fact, the entire chicken. It was like a half a block away from the Masonic Temple there. Um, that okay. same street, I think. Okay. Um, that's the only thing I remember. But, hmm. um, hey, another story you picked up on yesterday was the, the local rights deals. Is there a reason why a Canadian hockey fan, why a Vancouver Canucks fan should care about all these Bally deals and, and local rights deals in the U S in terms of HRR and cap. Like, do you think it gets to that point where a Canadian hockey fan gives a rip about this? Yeah, I think it matters because it could impact the cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue at stake for these 11 regional rights deals that are now reverting back to teams and the NHL and these teams are not even getting you know, a hundred cents on the dollar for what they negotiated to close out this year. I saw a report yesterday that suggested they're going to get about 80 to 85 cents on the dollar, which is still better than nothing. The NHL was concerned for a long time that at some point randomly this season and and at the drop of a dime that they're going to be handed back all these rights and say, Hey, good luck getting all, you know, 11 broadcasts on the air in short order that you have to produce yourself. So it's an expensive undertaking putting games on the air. Not only that, but now you have to go out and sell the advertising. You got to find partners. Like there's a lot going on here from a pure league wide perspective that may continue to evolve. You may see more regional entities get out of TV deals that they just can't afford the rights fees and they're bankrupt and move on. This has been a staple and a locked in sort of guaranteed line item on NHL team revenues for a long time. Hockey-related revenue, that's what the salary cap is based on. This year, $6.2 billion. If you knock it down to $5.9 next year, whatever it might be, let's call it a few hundred million bucks, you're going to see the cap go the opposite direction unless they can find new meaningful revenue to make up for it. So they've got a lot of work to do. Hey, Frank, any chance any of these teams go full streaming? Just sell them themselves? Yep, they totally could. make their, Or they could build their own broadcast network and make it linear and also make it available streaming. Like, I'd imagine at some point you're going to see a team that's a lower revenue team. Like if I were the Coyotes, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Instead of they they did go the free model. It's it's free over the air, but I would have went right to hey, you can get our game no matter where you want to watch it. On your TV, on your phone, on YouTube, doesn't matter where it is. We're putting it out there, consume it however you want it. That's how you really build an audience. But we'll see. Uh, marvelous stuff. Thank you for this. So uh, we'll miss you next week. We'll catch up a couple weeks down the road in 2024. Merry Christmas to the Cerevelli family and, um, good luck on your full day drinking. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Glad to be with you guys and I'll uh, talk to you in 2024.
Ask Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags to the best and worst at Twitter.com. I'm going to lead us off and a little trivia for the two of you. Goalie Guy Grady, listen up. At Fan960 Steinberg, Pat Steinberg out of Calgary. With his 27-save shutout in Anaheim, Flames goalie Jacob Markstrom is the third Swedish goalie to reach 200 NHL wins. First of all, that sort of stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, really? There's only been three Swedish goalies to win 200 games in the NHL? One's obvious. Okay. Hank. Henrik Lundqvist, 459 is the runaway winner. Markstrom, as mentioned, third at 200. Former Canuck Johan Hedberg is fourth with 161 wins. And Robin Lehner is fifth at 152 wins. Mm. Who's number two? Uh, Linus Allmark hasn't been in the league long enough. It's got to be someone before this generation. Very good, Grady. What, what, run it down again. Who you got? Lundqvist, number one. Yeah. Markstrom, number three. Hedberg, four. Laner five. Tommy He's, Sallow. Attaboy, Yes. <clears throat> Good job. And then when I saw Tommy Sallow was second at 210, I went, oh, yeah, that's right. Sweden and goalies. When I hear they that. Had a, they had an issue there once yeah. upon a time. Yeah. And Tommy Sallow the, was one of the issues. Tommy Sallow was, in <laughs> fact, the issue yeah. in that Belarusian game. Uh, just going to say, when you think of him, 2002, what do you think of? the distance the goal. Noggin. From Belarus to beat the and, and it was Canada Belarus in the quarters, right? Or was it the semis in two thousand two? I think quarters, yeah. Uh, in Salt Lake City, uh, at uh, a Hadwin Golf, we talked about the uh, moves that allowed this to happen. But uh, Hadwin tweeting out. Not sure what Jessica Hadwin had planned for Christmas, but will be hard to top this and a picture. Of a green envelope with the Masters logo on it. His invitation for the Masters has arrived. We just uh, did that story earlier this week that he is one of 11 players Mm. who got into the field based on official world golf ranking at the end of the year. But helped by lived affections, though, too, no? Uh, Some of those guys that left opened up spots and everybody slides on up. So uh, congrats, Adam Hadwin. One more Canadian Mm. in the field. At Three Down Nation. Canadian commits to Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, highlight NCAA early signing day. An extraordinary day this week for Canadian high school football. Uh, signing day, uh, opportunity to put your name on paper and take your scholarship from NCAA football playing schools. There's another signing day in February. But 19 different Canadians got full football scholarships to what we used to call Division One football, now FBS. How about two quarterbacks, 12 players to Power 5 schools, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Miami, Wisconsin, Maryland. Uh, a day unlike any other. I've been following Canadian football players for a long time. I have never seen damn near 20 guys on the same day sign in the highest level of amateur football and at the programs that they signed. Sadly, no British Columbians. Uh, although three BC players did sign FCS scholarships, that's the second division. Mark Johnson, an offensive lineman from Vernon, going to Eastern Washington. Herschel Joe Hall, an offensive lineman from Vancouver, going to Bucknell. And defensive end Enzo Agostini, 
from Parksville going to Harvard. Of course, when you go to Harvard, it's more than just about football. Yeah. Bit of a brainiac, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, if you look at the NFL, bit of a talent pool issue right now. Mm Mm-hmm. We're the 51st state, you know. <laughs> it's time to start mining well, the Canadian gold. Here's the thing. Like, Canadian football has done pretty well here in the post-concussion era, right? Yeah. Like, I, there are a good number of Canadians playing in the NFL and playing at positions they didn't necessarily play before. Javon Holland playing safety, Josh Palmer playing wide receiver. Just got to get that Rourke kid a... Uh... A couple yeah, of well, that were kid, yeah, that a were pivot kid. would be uh, would change the <laughs> equation a little <laughs> Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, uh, a couple of soccer signings at Fabrizio Romano. Luis Suarez has signed the formal contract as new Inter Miami player. All done and sealed. It will be official soon. All completed on a one year deal plus an option valid through twenty twenty five. Messi, Suarez, Busquets, Alba, all back together. Here we go. Confirmed. Uh, and since then, Inter Miami has indeed confirmed it. Um, and then there's this at Glass City FC. Morishita's move to Legia is now official. He'll join the Polish Giants on a one-year loan since his medicals are passed. Uh, Whitecaps were close on a deal with the Japanese wingback, but ultimately lost out to the allure of playing European football. Yeah, there was uh, some international rumors about uh, Morishita being a player of Whitecap interest, and uh, Axel Schuster even commented on this uh, yesterday, the day before, saying he's a really nice player. We're interested, but we're not close on anything, and ultimately... Uh, so he does get away. Japanese international? Japanese does he, international. Does he play for I, I believe he team? has. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe he's capped, yeah. And lastly for me, at Darren Ravel on Sports Business, Tommy DeVito's LLC, named TD, has filed for two trademarks, Tommy Cutlets and Passing Paisano. The Tommy Cutlets filing says he's intending to sell branded chicken Pasta and pizza sauces. And I think if you're a New York Giants fan, the sooner the better, Tommy. Move into your culinary career. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps as soon as next month. So what happens when Daniel Jones is back? Do they give him the ball? Yes. Or do they... Yes, they yes. have paid Daniel Jones. Ah, yes. come on. Well, DeVito can't play, Greg. He I had know. the one game against the Packers. He's a novelty. So he gets I'd his rather, 15 like, minutes. Gardner minute. Minshew looks yeah, like. Give me Gardner <laughs> Minshew. Yeah, yeah. Give me Nathan Rourke over. Yes. And that's hashtags for today. Joined now by Rinkwise, Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter, was in here with him Thursday covering the Vancouver Canucks. Lost to the Dallas Stars in overtime, and yet uh, the loser point still allows them to reach first overall in the league league standings. Merry Christmas, Jeff. Looking very festive. Uh, Yeah, and right back at you guys and to all the listeners, and certainly for Canuck fans, Christmas has come early. It's the 11th of October, and maybe they served notice that night against the Edmonton Oilers. This was going to be a different year, or that they were going to make some hay. I don't think anybody predicted that they'd be looking down at every other team in the National Hockey League in terms of the standings uh, for one night at the very least. But uh, yeah, what an incredible first half. And uh, I know that uh, since we started this undertaking a few years ago, we've all said uh, the real payoff will come 
if this could be a playoff team and guys, they have mm. positioned themselves uh, very nicely to do that. There's still some hard work and heavy lifting ahead, but uh, they are in prime position to end that playoff drought at the end of this regular season. Perspective is a funny thing um, because of the expectation of this team going into this season. Everything just seems like a, I don't know, a little bit of gravy. And I remember how we used to pick through the 2010, 2011 teams, Jeff, uh, on pre and post game shows and, you know, demand more out of this. And the, I mean, if we're talking about juggernaut team, you probably think, you know, they've got to close out that game. They've got to, they've got to lead with four minutes left in the third period. They've got to close that out. Uh, in overtime, you got a two one. Oh, you got to close that out. Eh, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still at the point of if they got a point of game in which they were trailing. I mean, hey, good on them. Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways that you could now look at their results. And, you know, that's four and six in four different cities. And in fact, if you think that the game on Saturday against San Jose uh, is another different city for them, really, it's six games in 10 nights uh, in six different stops because uh, they played in Vancouver and then they went out for four and then they come back. Uh, and I think it was wise. The Canucks uh, overnighting in Dallas and using Friday as a travel day here with the time zones and the changes and everything else to try to maximize their energy levels because uh, they've got that one more game to go. Uh, we know that this time of year, things can be a little distracting, family and friends and whatever else and visions of Christmas beyond that final game. So I think uh, probably a wise part or call on the part of the Canucks to overnight in Dallas, use Friday to fly and then focus their attention on those mighty San Jose Sharks on Saturday night. But I think Blake, it just speaks to expectations in this market now that uh, people are delighted with the fact that they are managing their losses and that they're finding ways to grind out a single point. But in the same breath, you do have to find a way to see those results out. And it kind of reminded me of that game against the Rangers earlier in the season where they were down, they took a third period lead, and then the Rangers were able to chip away and ultimately they won that game in overtime as well. Look, there are other good teams out there. And I think you have to remember that you're not going to win every game that give Dallas some credit. Uh, they didn't go quietly. Uh, they pounced on their opportunity. But boy, uh, in that third period, neither team wanting to give an inch for the first 15 minutes. It was a terrific theater and drama. Wasn't end-to-end trading chances because the Canucks didn't have the puck uh, all that much. But I think some of that might have been boiled down to a little bit of fatigue at the end of the road trip. Still, uh, there's enough there. That third line, the way that they're going right now, uh, it's yeah, it's just a little unfortunate that uh, when you get a two on zero involving Elias Pettersson, you'd like to think that that would be lights out and end of game, but uh, wasn't to be for the Vancouver Canucks. Still, through all of that, I mean, as we sit here with one game to go before Christmas, they have nine regulation losses. Like it really, like, it's just it's astounding to think that they picked up at least a point in twenty five of their thirty four games and twenty one regulation wins, which is two better than anybody else in the league and. As we discussed last night, Rick talked talk about the players upset, but coach didn't sound all that upset. He had um, the same, no, exactly. Same frame exactly. Of mind. I, I, yeah. I mean, he's he's been very uh, praiseworthy this week of his Vancouver Canucks. Okay, Jeff, let me ask you the poll. They've moved into first overall. Do you believe them the best team in the NHL? No, not for a second. It has been an incredible run to watch and to be a part of every night after these games on rink wide. But I, th- I think you just look at the record against the top teams. They got schooled by Vegas. They were beaten soundly by Colorado, although they hung with the Avs for two periods, lost in overtime to the Rangers, lost to Dallas last night. You know, they haven't seen the Los Angeles Kings yet. They haven't seen the Boston Bruins yet. They haven't seen the Winnipeg Jets yet. Those are other top teams in the national hockey league, but you know, the, the few 
truly top teams that they've played. Uh, they did beat Dallas earlier this year, so credit, uh, and I don't want to overlook that. But, uh, look, there's one way to prove who is the very best and, you know, the true best team in the league, and that comes in the playoffs. And the Canucks still have work to do. I mean, we've talked about it. This Kuzmenko situation continues to expose the fact that they're moving the pieces around here, but uh, they're probably missing a top six winger, and maybe Kuzmenko is that guy and can be that guy again. Uh, you know, it's funny the way the season has unfolded, guys. Like right now, the power play has completely vanished, and yet they're still winning games and picking up points. And some of that's because the penalty killing has raised its level. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we wondered about uh, what are they going to do? Carson Susi goes down. They're taking on a little bit of water defensively. They go out, they add Nikita Zadorov. And since then, uh, defensively, they've been sound. Uh, you know, if there have been the odd night that goaltending has been an issue, they've been able to outscore the problems. Uh, you know, they continue to find ways to get this done. But I was looking last night after that game, 7-1-2 and two in their last 10 hockey games. I mean, how do you argue with that? It's hard to poke any sort of hole in that kind of record. And yet they're doing it with the fewest shots on average in the National Hockey League over that 10-game stretch. So, I mean, we keep thinking that this can't persist. And yet they kind of ham and egg it and they cover whatever issues they have. Uh, you know, that third line, if JT Miller's gone a little bit quiet, now Quinn Hughes has kind of gone quiet. Eh, no problem. That third line has arrived on the scene and is carrying them right now. So lots of different ways to get it done. And ultimately, the bottom line is that uh, they are getting it done on most nights. Given the way Connor Garland is playing, Jeff, can they afford to trade him right now? Like, would you have to be blown away to even consider moving Connor Garland? Not just with the way he's playing, but also with the issues you have at wing on Elias Pettersson's line. I'm going to come at this from a slightly different angle, and I, I'm just trying to envision the press release of the acquiring team trying to tell their fan base that they've acquired the best three-goal scorer in the National Hockey League. Uh, I mean, he's such a unique player, and we've said that since he arrived on the scene here with his style of play and his point profile this year, but right now just so locked in with that line. And, and I, I guess I thought for sure that by now... Uh, that we would have seen a flip between Pia Suter and Teddy Bluger just based on the way Suter was playing before his injury. But uh, forget about that. I mean, that's why they've experimented with Suter elsewhere in this lineup because that line is just locked and loaded. And again, last night, uh, in on two of the three Canuck goals, uh, six points from the, the three of them, Dakota Joshua getting overtime shifts and then ultimately overtime opportunities. I mean, that speaks to the confidence and the trust that the coach has in him right now and trying to ride the hot hand there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, crazy to think that a guy who uh, at the outset of the season sounded like he wanted out, uh, changed agents. It sounded like the agent was helping to broker a deal. I mean, dare I say untouchable, you know, at this stage yes, of the yes, season. Like, <laughs> but I mean, again, there's so many crazy things to, to sort of come at this Canuck team with right now but it uh, yeah I, I can't I, I just I can't envision them deciding that all of a sudden now is the time that you would want to pedal Connor Garland and, and it, their their production that line's production to me underscores some of the um depth and balance that this team has that isn't represented in people that that poke holes in this team and and about the the shooting percentage and everything I mean that team is making sure like when, when all the, when all the four lines are contributing is, you know, are you still getting lucky? Like luck usually afflicts one or two guys. Um, you know, Kuzmenko last year with his crazy shooting percentage, you know, that that's 
that's something unsustainable that you think, oh, that's suspicious. That could be dependable, et cetera, et cetera. When everybody's doing it, it seems like it maybe it's a, it's a part of something. And for that line, puck retrieval is as much about the um, the magic of that line as it is ultimately about putting goals on the board. Because, heck, before the, these points started to arrive, Jeff, they were retrieving the puck, getting chances, and, and they weren't going in. But we were just marveling, hey, they're getting chances and they're possessing the puck, and that's great because it's not going into the Canucks' own net. But to me, this is just balance and 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 uh, and showing that this isn't a fluke for the Vancouver Canucks. I think the more that we watch that trio in particular, I mean, it, it shows you what hard work can do, even at this level. Like, these are the best players in the world uh, so many of them are elitely skilled. They've been better than competition at every other level. You get to this select group of you know 700 guys that get to play in the National Hockey League, but ultimately the ones that sort of rest on their laurels and you know maybe take a shift off or here or there, I uh, think it's going to be easy. Like these guys are going to plow right through you, and they're doing that. And uh, you know, again, Brock Besser. All right, maybe he's riding the, the shooting percentage wave right now, and that's been fun, and he's been just remarkably consistent. And that's allowed a guy like JT Miller to go a little bit quiet. Miller has one goal in his last eight games, but that's not an issue right now because Brock does the scoring on that line or those third liners, they step up. Uh, but whatever the case, like, you know, is that sustainable? I think their work rate certainly is. And you hope that they continue to be rewarded for it. And I, you know, there's just enough skill there. Like it's still mind-boggling to me that Connor Garland has three goals at Christmas time. Like, uh, and there are some days that, like, I recognize the hard work, but I still have trouble getting past that for a guy that's making a shade under five million bucks. But in his role, he's driving play, and so they're not defending much. They're not giving up much, and then they get a chance to spend most of their shifts in the offensive zone, and and that's where you know, his hard work and tenacity along the boards and Dakota Joshua has clearly got enough skill to finish when those opportunities mm -hmm. present themselves. And quite frankly, you know, the name Teddy Bluger existed to me, but I, I can't sit here and tell you that I had the full book on Teddy Bluger, but I mean, he's proven to be a better player, I think, than I anticipated. And this is a guy obviously that was late to the party with the injury that kept him out of the lineup for the first 10 or 12 games. And so he, you know, that hasn't seemed to affected him at all. And just positionally sound, defensive conscience. But then when they go to the attack, he's able to, to get involved in the offense as well. So, uh, you know, the component parts of that line, when you think of the size of Dakota Joshua and sort of the height challenges of Connor Garland, but uh, boy, it's, it's just a, a nice mix that seems to work perfectly for those three guys and for the Vancouver Canucks. And they get San Jose tomorrow. Who are starting, Saturday. And, and San Jose's got... Four losses in a row, and they are starting to hemorrhage goals again. Yeah, and, and Dreams look, of Boston 10 goals. and the Rangers play a couple of times here over the final weekend before the holiday break. Vegas is in there as well, but like, there's two more points sitting right there, Jeff, on Saturday against the Sharks team that if you happen to lose to them, you split the season series after 10-1 in the first game between them? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to even envision – splitting a season series when you've won one of the games 10 to one, but all games are essentially equal in the standings. And, you know, the Canucks uh, won the first couple, but the Sharks got them at the tail end of a long stretch. That was part of that story of the loss in San Jose was, uh, I think it was 10 games in 17 nights. And they, they'd played the night before and played well in Seattle. 
Uh, I don't know if they took their foot off the gas. Uh, the Sharks were playing a little bit better. They had found whatever their level was. I think they had found it there in mid-November, but you're right. Uh, they seem to be back to uh, struggling. They you know, went out, uh, made the trade. They plug in a player like Jack Stanika that couldn't make the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, he's getting an opportunity. So uh, homecoming for him. Justin Bailey, the former Canuck, has found a home in the National Hockey League yet again. Guy could always fly. Uh, hands didn't uh, necessarily ever catch up to the feet, but he's playing for the San Jose Sharks as well. But I think that kind of tells you, you know, they're experimenting. They're just uh, throwing players kind of against the wall and hoping they find some that that stick. So if you're the Vancouver Canucks uh, on paper and on the ice, you're the better team, but uh, you've got to go out there and, and get the job done. And so, uh, you know, it's one of 82, but yeah, the game before Christmas, you always want to go into that uh, brief holiday break feeling good about yourself. And they should, regardless of the outcome, but uh, they can feel that much better. And regardless of where they ultimately slot in in the standings, uh, if they can get a win against the San Jose Sharks, and they should be able to get that win uh, to go into the Christmas break with a record of 23-9-3, and like, uh, you know, good job all around. Uh, I'd love to see the power play arrive uh, a couple of days before Christmas. Uh, that would be my wish, I suppose, for the Vancouver Sharks. There's too much talent there. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but I was looking under the hood a little bit, guys, and flat out shocked by this statistic. Quinn Hughes has one hourly point in his last dozen hockey games. Yeah, I've, I've, I've wow. felt it. Well, he's not shooting the puck as much anymore. Yeah. He's not being as aggressive on the power play. Dancing down the left side there yeah. and scoring. And, and, and he did a couple times. We were talking on rank wide, uh, Blake. I don't think the Philip Ronick on the first unit power play. I don't think that helps Quinn Hughes at all. No, I think you're way there. better off yeah. with that front guy and have Kuzmenko, um, the four forward look for Quinn on the power play. Kuzmenko in versus San Jose. Jeff, if you're laying bets right now. For me, absolutely. Like yeah. I've kind of seen enough of Phil Giuseppe for a while. In fact, yeah. I think Phil Giuseppe is treading water to be a an everyday national hockey leaguer. Uh, you know, penalty killing utility, I suppose, keeps him around, but they've got a guys can do that uh, i just think it's time to get kuzmenko in there to you know you hope that he's learned from this latest benching uh look I, I still believe it's on him but they're better in my mind with him in the lineup that power play uh you know think of where it was at the start of the season he's a part of it there uh yeah i, I think it's time to get him back in there and in fact i plug him right back in alongside elias Pettersson and neely mckayev and kind of go yep. back to what worked for you earlier in the season uh, you know, is it still going to be a work in progress? Yeah, absolutely. It will be. But, you know, whether it's DiGiuseppe, whether it's Nils Amon, you know, those guys are sort of uh, interchangeable parts that could be on your fourth line, but that's where they should be. And Kuzmenko uh, should be helping this hockey club and particularly, I think, uh, aiding that power play that uh, has just gone a little too quiet, given the talent mm -hmm. level uh, that they have at their disposal. Uh, you say, how about a power play that gets going for Christmas? I'm uh, I'm thinking of a bigger present. Guys, it's a Friday. Mm -hmm. Going into a holiday weekend with some stats coming up. What are you thinking? Elias Pettersson extension. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be a Christmas gift? Ronaldson get a contract extension on Christmas Day. And rings a bell. Mm. It does ring a bell. Even in a round, very close to Christmas Eve or something. Yeah. Well, Brian's working in the PWHL. Right. Yeah. Where's Ron Wilson? Yeah, I don't days? know. I don't know. Lastly, 
where's your shirt? Yeah, I I forgot about the shirt. Apologies. Yeah. Scrooge. Plaid always works. Right? Still yeah. festive. Yeah. Nice shirt, Jeff. <laughs> yes. Great to be a teammate with you in 2023. Thanks for everything. Have a Merry Christmas. Best of the Patterson family. And uh, we're going to catch up next Friday. Yeah. And we'll have rink wide for you on Saturday after the Canucks and the Sharks. So uh, one more workday uh, in that regard. But uh, yeah, it's been a, an eventful year on the ice, off the ice for us, for the Canucks, for everybody. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully everybody can just step back, take a couple of days, enjoy it with fran- family and friends. And uh, you're right. We'll save the Happy New Year because uh, we're not quite to that That's point right. yet. No, but no. Uh, a Merry Christmas to you guys and to mm-hmm. uh, all of the Sakaris and Price listeners and viewers. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, let's, yes. let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people and miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. To the people we go brought to you by Finning Cat. Improved productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on. Go to Finning.com. Check out their extensive inventory. They got the new, the used, the rental equipment. Find the right solution to meet your unique needs. Need a part? Never been easier with Finning Cat's online service. Invest in the future of your business and check out the latest at Finning.com. Thursday poll question, what should the Canucks do with Andre Kuzmenko? 76% voted give it time. 24% said trade now. Cap space Andy, put him on right wing with Pedersen and tell him to go play. Trading now is selling super low. Scratching him is just a waste of time for everyone. Jeff was saying this on Rinkwide Thursday. Just give him a run with Pedersen now. You know, like, let him play through some mistakes. I'm ready for it. Chris, if he were making $2 million, I'd say be patient. At his salary, they need to move him and readjust. Old Russian players from the K don't know how to play the complete game. They've never had to in their lives. It's a tough adjustment. Fred the Alien. The guy's a great player. He will be just fine. All second-year players go through parts of the season without getting points. Thank God the Vancouver Brain Trust didn't give up on the Sedin Twins during their second year. Dave patience they've invested a lot in this guy and despite the ton of goals he scored last season regard him as they would a young prospect that needs seasoning and guidance and then the Bryn Gypsy says whatever coach Talkett thinks is best Whoa, blind faith for the team the well no there's I've seen a lot of people say this should be entirely a Talkett decision based on the fact that he has pushed so many right buttons this year and maybe he's earned that. Um, the other question is just, can you teach older dogs? He's not old, but he's an older dog, new tricks. Uh, you know, if this is a 22-year-old, obviously it's mm-hmm. patience. If it's a 24-year-old, obviously it's patience. He's of the age now. Is he 27? Has he turned 27? Where, you know, you start to think, okay, maybe this is just a finished product here. Are you going to be able to guide him in any way, shape, or form? Um, and you know, that remains to be seen. He's yes, he's 27. He'll be 28 in a month and a half. Um, you know, this is not a puppy anymore here. Um, so is there training left for, for Andre Kuzmenko remains to be seen. Adam, the former bath guy, hot take after multiple healthy scratches and a failed trade and failed trade attempts, Andre Kuzmenko will return to the KHL. Well, that would have to be after next year, Adam. Because he's not giving up $5 million no. U.S. money. But Plus, even, I also even, think this is a kid who just prefers North America. He's making more money here. He's not going to be making $5 million over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going Luke on the take. 
Um, I mean, I never thought that other guys like Kovalchuk and stuff would go back either, but uh, I'll go Luke too. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Basketball Phil, tell me I'm wrong. The Canucks practice facility is the Bruno Caboclo of practice facilities. Two years away from being two years away. It's pretty good, Phil. He's the Caboclo on steroids. It's 10 years away from being 10 years away. (laughs) North Shore Dan, hot take. After starting his career playing with Mario, Sidney will be joined by Yarmir Yager in the same Hall of Fame class, poetically linking the three most iconic Penguins in history. Love it, Dan. Yeah, hot. Love it. Oh, sizzling for me. Huh? Sizzling. Attaboy, Grady. Tell me I'm wrong, Jason and Cloverdale. If Tommy DeVito helps the Giants beat the Eagles on Christmas Day, then the state of New Jersey has to have a Tommy Cutlets Day. Well, the problem there, Jason, South Jersey, they root for the Eagles. And you got the Jets fans as well. And is every day in New Jersey not Tommy Cutlets Day? Yeah, that probably just looks like a yeah, day that ends in Y. Wednesday. Yeah. JC, memo to all the listeners giving themselves pats on the back for wanting the Canucks to trade Kuzmenko prior to last year's deadline. How many of you also wanted to trade Miller, wanted to give away Besser and Garland for free, were upset over draft picks used to acquire Lafferty and DeSmith, were angry with the trade for Ronick, and were apoplectic when the Canucks didn't tank last year? So instead of picking and choosing which decisions you should be rewarded for, be thankful this Christmas season that the only person whose decisions actually matter is doing an incredible job. Yeah, the people that like to pat themselves on the back for one particular note, they probably haven't kept score for their entire quiver of takes. No. Because I doubt you're doing that well. Uh, moving on to YouTube and Dave Hall, who we had on on, pro- on uh, Prospects. Cash says, uh, Matt looking pretty slick there. Booked my vacation for over 20 years so I could watch the World Juniors. Never missed a game. Canada, Sweden, the gold medal game. Go Canada. What's the pretty slick? Why did you look slick? I had my uh, hair recently cut and styled. You had to keep. You wanted to keep that in there, right? The little aesthetic compliment. Yeah, who put that in there? Yeah, I mean that's that's what he wrote in. Like, <laughs> let's keep I mean, it I'm to. I'm not going to go about. Let's keep it to the business. Him. Oh yeah, no, no, never. Mm-hmm. never. Uh, on Frank Corrado's comments, uh, Rutherford Alvin Tockett have turned this team around. This is from uh, H. Clinker. I'm not going to second guess how they handle Kuzmenko. What I will say is that now is the time to bring the tough love for Kuzmenko. If the message gets through and Kuzmenko starts playing the way Tockett wants him to play, the team will be adding a weapon sometime in the second half of the season. And as I've been saying, um, I, I think that time's that, th- that time's tomorrow. That time's Saturday versus the Sharks. Robert, it's not that Zadorov is spectacular, but he's competent. It's no coincidence that they dipped when Susie went down and came back up with Zadorov. Just a matter of stabilizing a defense without much depth. The return of Suter also has something to do with their second win. They're a good team when completely healthy. Daniel on P.S. Suter says, I truly believe he can be more in the third-line center. He doesn't make any big mistakes, and I think he can be a playmaker. If we think back to the Swiss League, he was a top scorer. He also brings so much stability and makes his teammates better. And then uh, Breakaway Book says, at some level, shooting percentage becomes based on players who are putting themselves in good positions to score rather than it being a measure of raw shooting proficiency. Simply put, the Canucks are putting themselves in the right places On Robert's statement on Susie, interesting to remember, uh, we're only a couple weeks away from Susie. They only play like three games between now and when he probably is back at practice to at some degree. 
the interesting thing is going to be like if no if there are no other injuries at that point they actually get to full health somebody's going to be moved out of their current spot on the blue line and is it going to upset the apple cart in any way like like are they better are they going to be better or is there going to be a little bit of an adjustment period because the six or these six defensemen are have found a groove here um I, it'll it'll be interesting to see in those first few games when Susie's back if they're any better. On JT Miller and whether he's underappreciated, George, he's more underappreciated around the league. Canucks fans are an intelligent group and by now know how good he is and has been for the third overall score. You don't hear anything nationally. TSN Sportsnet, their Toronto-based talk shows, et cetera. If JT's a Leaf, coverage would be 24-7. So right. Oh, God. If, right. if the no. Leafs were in first place right now, oh, can you imagine God. the coverage? Brian, only by fans that assume every player falls off a cliff at age 33 and think this team is nowhere near being able to win a cup due to not having 10 roster players on ELCs. Okay. Uh, Dave's, uh, Malcolm says, pretty impressive to be leading the league while being tied for third in point percentage. Trance, is that you? I was going to say, yeah. Why is that pretty impressive? I don't even, like, I, I it's just games played. That's all. I, I, I think it's a joke. Play. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Okay. He's slow today. I am a little bit slow. Grady. A little foggy. Mm-hmm. Some price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's gonna be great. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. The star Japanese pitcher is joining his countrymen with the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's Shohei Otani, of course. It's a 12-year, $325 million deal for Yamamoto. The Dodgers have committed more than a billion dollars to two Japanese free agents this offseason. The New York Yankees were there right at $300 million. 12 years for a pitcher, too. Wow. You're just throwing away money at that point, you, and you know you are. Well, and ESPN did a piece here recently because, and we talked to Frank Saravelli about this on the NHL side, but because you have a number of Major League Baseball teams that are affected by this Diamond Sports Holdings bankruptcy and reorganization and now what's going to become of all these regional sports networks, you have a number of clubs that just don't know what their revenues are going to be from local television. So it is very difficult to compete, and um, you are starting to hear some more worries about competitive imbalance in baseball which was absolutely a thing for a number of years. They got a good handle of it, handle on it about a decade or so ago, maybe 15 years ago, put some things in place to um, try and equalize. But it's getting crazy again. And by the way, Major League Baseball doubling down on pace of play stuff. Did you see this? No, I didn't. The pitch clock was 20 seconds for runners on. They looked at the data. They said, eh. Most pitchers need only 13 or 14 seconds. We're dropping that to 18 seconds. Wow. They said mound visits, and they focus group this. Amongst the things baseball fans hate most, mound visits. Guess what? You're down to four per game now as opposed to five. Mm-hmm. That, that's just visits. That's not taking that's a not guy taking out. That's not taking a guy out. That's just visits. Was that either catcher or pitching no, coach No, I manager? believe that's from dugout. 
Okay. I believe that's from Dugout. Honestly, take that down to three. Uh, if a pitcher starts to warm up before an inning, he must face at least one hitter. There were 24 occasions last year where they went to the bullpen. Guy warms up. Sees a new batter. with a pinch hitter, yeah. right, lefty-righty thing, nice. and so they removed the pitcher without like, throwing yeah, a pitch. Absolutely. Major League Baseball said no more of that. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Because that, that's a three-minute delay each and every time that happens. Yeah. Not a lot of time, 24 times over the course of the year. So 75 minutes, but no. Nope. And they've also uh, widened the runner's lane to first base in the infield grass. Just back to the Dodger signing, Matt. You say it's uh, affecting the competitive balance in the league. No, all I'm they, saying there's worries again about yes, that. Yes, but all these MLB insiders said, oh, it's so good for the game of baseball to see the Dodgers throwing all this money mm-hmm. at these superstars. Well, you know what it feels like, guys? It feels like the premiership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's it feels the haves are going to be mm-hmm. pretty heavy, yep. <laughs> you know. And so, what's the solution here? Is it a is it a soft salary cap? Well, they've or, got it. They've well, got they a luxury, luxury tax. tax. They've already yeah, got but it. That, but I don't know. Like, really, the the Pittsburgh Pirates, all these low end teams, you know, Oakland Athletics. Now they're a bit but you different. can go back ten years and you can see that the Kansas City Royals had a payroll equal to one player on other teams. Well, and then they the, won the World Series. The the Dodgers with the Otani deal spent more than the entirety of payrolls in the American League Central. Yeah. How pissed do you think the MLB was this year that the Dodgers lost to the D-backs? Yes. And I've seen people say it's going to be hilarious when the Phils sweep them in the DS. And And it's all possible. I mean, it's... And it's funny because Otani's such a likable guy, but the Dodgers Mm -hmm. are pushing now up to the evil empire level. They probably... You know, would need another championship or two. To but really baseball's get a that. funny sport with this. That you know, there's it's a way more fickle sport. Like finding consistent baseball players to play at superstar levels that's harder than Alex, it is in yes. the other sports. Alex Absolutely. Rodriguez, one of the great hitters of all time, and had one good postseason. It's very much like hockey goaltenders. It's not necessarily who's yeah. the best. It's yeah. who's playing well, yeah. right? Because it's such a small sample in October now. I mean, you got three game. Series for God's sake! But loading up, uh, loading up on a soccer team in the Premiership, heck, loading up on skaters even in in hockey, uh, a quarterback. You know, like those are things that you generally, if there's if they're tried and true super, you're gonna get your return to some degree. You are. Okay, errors and omissions from Thursday's program and beyond. Uh, we mentioned at one point the early reporting was that Kuzmenko looked like he was going to be back in for PDG. That was not the case. It was the fourth healthy scratch for Kuzmenko. I neglected to read your comments on our Wednesday poll question results. Usually like to work the people and their comments in on that. So my apologies. And Nolan Patrick's retirement. There was a report from Global Winnipeg saying he has not, in fact, retired. I, I do believe this is the semantics of retiring and of course if you retire you don't get compensation. But Friedman confirmed that report as well. Confirmed con- confirm the report. The global that report. That he's that not retiring. He's not retiring. But he's no longer playing hockey. Is that the yeah, semantic I difference think, that I we're drawing that's here? What we were going I will with. never play again is basically what he's saying. Yeah. Um Grady, we have one on the Cladno hockey club. Yes, we do. From the Yerky Meister. Let's He's, get into it. <laughs> let me just pull it up here. Oh, it's not ready. Pause. No, Error it is. Oh, omission. please. Give me a break. Uh, Yerky on talking about the uh, Yarmir Yager still 
playing. He says, maybe the omitted omission is which Czech team uses a bear mascot. I have no idea. Bracket, none of the current ones seem to. But Kladno, which is the team Yarmir is still playing with and owns? Yeah. Uh, but Kladno did formerly use a bulldog before a Yager rebranded with the Crusader uh. guy back in 2011. You went way back in the old time machine there, Matt. I just, uh, I hope Yaramir's playing for the love of the game at this point, and I hope both teams have fun. Because that he's playing this deep into his career, it's a fascination for everybody. There also could be an underlying financial uh, reason. Oh. Um, nice. Google Yaramir Yager. Some things will come up there with regards to his off-ice activities. And a nice assist in that game. That way, bet of the daytime. Hey, you know what? If Canada if Canada is going to be tied with Sweden as the second choice to win the World Juniors after the United States, first of all, that's disrespectful to Canadian hockey. We are always the favorite. Number two, three fifty. Give me the value. Give me Canada. I believe in Macklin Celebrini. Even if he may be suspended for the first game after that hit in the pre-tournament game. Canada to win the World Juniors wow. at 350. Um, I know the Seahawks sort of renewed some uh, faith in, in their fans, um, from their fans, uh, with their win last week. And, and hey, I'm not going not gonna to say that they can't win out and finish 10-7. and seven. But when they're favored on the road... Uh, I, I think you, scary, yeah. you can hedge your bets here. <laughs> Tennessee Titans at 240, just because. Please, must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. A reminder, subscribe to us, Canucks Conversation, rink-wide, wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. And most importantly, have a very Merry Christmas. We got a show drop in Monday, and we'll... Talk to you back with a show next Friday, December 29th. Keep it local. Merry Christmas.